Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for life again, giving us another opportunity to uh, breathe, to see, to move, to do, um, and most importantly, to be able to walk in the faith, walk in uh, the will that you have for us. We know that these are trying times all over the world with different things that you've already told us was going to happen, but we thank you above all things that you continue to make a way for us. You continue to shine your light on us. Continue to fortify us and keep us even though uh, the road is difficult and challenging. Because we know that even though it's tough on the other side of all that we experience, there's an incomparable blessing waiting on us. We thank you. We give you the glory and the honor. In your holy name, Jesus, we pray. Amen. So tonight's word is going to be uh, a little bit of a tough word to uh, bring forth because uh, traditions are really what's standing in the way of a lot of people walking as Jesus Christ commanded. And the question really comes down to is, which Christ do you follow? If you remember in Matthew 24, when the disciples asked Jesus, what will be the sign of his coming in the end of the age? The first thing Christ tells him is that take heed that no one deceives you. He said, first and foremost, you need to be aware. And secondly, he says, for many will come in my name saying that I am the Christ and will deceive many. He said, many will come. And deceive many. And bef and after this, he goes on to give a sequence of very dramatic events of what is expected to happen in the end times. And when you go through each of these events, you see that compare these events to the world. We are definitely living in the times which Jesus Christ spoke of. But in this time that we're living in, there are false Christ's walking the earth. There are many of them. And most of the time, you don't ever hear someone talk about a false Christ. Um, because many people don't even believe there is a devil. They don't believe that there is a, uh, that Satan exists. So if you don't believe Satan exists, you're certainly not going to talk about a false messiah a false savior but if we don't ever ask ourselves which christ we follow then unfortunately we run the risk of missing blessings walking in defeat uh, living in lies and above all else having a false understanding of salvation which is the essence of this faith because all of us when we die want to go to heaven that's the talk of everyone who says they believe in Jesus Christ but if we don't have the truth of who he is then we very very well may not go to where we say we want to go I remember listening to uh, James Cleveland one of my favorite uh 
gospel artist growing up as a kid. And he made a, a statement even way back then in one of his songs. He said, you know, everybody talking about heaven ain't going. Everybody singing about heaven ain't going. And the truth is because there has been many lies told about the Christian faith, the people of God. That, is, that has kept people from really knowing who Christ truly is and following him and not the false Christ. I have a lot of people tell me today that Jesus Christ was a man of love, that he walked around and he just loved on everyone. He didn't say anything that was uh, that caused division. He didn't say anything that created conflict. He basically just loved on everyone. Well, is this true? Is this actually the Christ that the Bible speaks of? The things that are recorded in Scripture? Well, the only way to know is to go into the Word of God and look at it. And we're going to cover a few Scriptures today to look at the dialogues, the, the, the discussions that Jesus had, his responses to people, to see who he was when he walked the earth and who he will be when he returns. And I can tell you before we get into scripture, Jesus Christ was a warrior when he walked the earth. And he will be a warrior when he returns. And I've had people tell me this is not true. You know, Jesus Christ was not a warrior, uh, but he was. And, and we're going to look at how he stood and fought while he was here uh, finalizing the faith. Ending, uh, cap, capitalizing, and being being the the finisher of the faith. In John eight thirty, Jesus says, "If you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed." And he said, "You shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free." First and foremost, for us to know that we are followers of Jesus Christ, we have to abide in his word. His word. Not some word given by a prominent preacher or our favorite preacher or the one that, that preacher that is just, you know, he's so charismatic and he's so deep and he can throw scripture at you. He said we have to abide in his word. This is one of the key indicators that we are following the true Christ. Then we are free from the falsehood, the lies, and the deception that leads us down a path we were never called to be down. And one time Jesus was doing his thing, leading his disciples, and one of his disciples came to him and said, Lord, let me first go bury my father. And Jesus asked the man to come follow him. And here's what Christ told him. He said, follow me and let the dead bury their own dead. And that's a very harsh statement if you compare to the Jesus that is portrayed today. The Jesus we all look at now. That this peace and happiness and love Jesus that's talked about in most church institutions. He told the man, don't even worry about the funeral for your father. Come follow me. 
this is more important. In fact, the people who are not following me, those dead folks, you let them deal with that. I have a greater calling for you, something more important. Now, why did Jesus tell this man that? Because at the end of the day, either we love him or we don't. Either we follow him or we won't. There is no in-between. I know they said tons of times about the grace that God gives that you can kind of just do as you please. Well, that's not what Jesus Christ said. In fact, he never made anything, never made a statement even close to something like that. In fact, in Matthew 10, 37, Jesus says, he who loves his father and mother more than me is not worthy of me. He who loves his son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. He who does not take up his cross and follow me is not worthy of me. He said, he who finds his life will lose it. And he who loses his life for my sake will find it. Another very, very harsh statement compared to the, the uh, happy-go-lucky Jesus we hear about. These non-warrior, all-about-love Christ. He's saying that you can't even put your parents above me. Your children above me. And if you don't carry your cross... He said, you're not worthy of me. And this is not a suggestion that Jesus is making. He's explaining what it means to follow him, what it means to actually love him. And if this is a standard that he outlines, who else in the world can come forth and tell us something contrary? It only, had, it only could be Satan. That's it. No one else. You know, Christmas was going to roll up here soon and everybody's going to be out buying gifts to their family members and celebrating what is unbiblically called Jesus birthday or the time to remember his birth. Um, and this will be the season of quote unquote peace and happiness and joy and all the different Christmas carols and stuff that goes forth, which, again, you cannot find nowhere in Scripture. But this has been a long-standing tradition uh, in America that many churchgoers or Christians take part in. And the first thing they'll tell you is that this is one of the reasons why Jesus was uh, all about love and peace. But is this true? Let's go to Matthew 10, 34. Now here's what Jesus said. Do not think that I have came to bring peace on earth. I did not come to bring peace, but a sword. For I have come to set a man against his father, a daughter against her mother, and a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. And a man's enemies will be those of his own household. Powerful statement there. Just completely eradicates this lie about Jesus was all about peace. He didn't come here to create dissension or division. Of course he did. It all goes back to what we just read, where it comes down to who will follow him. It comes down to who will choose to walk with him. That's it. And I, I can tell you one of the hardest things for people to understand 
and also accept. Is the one of the greatest lies about Christianity is the Christian organizations here in America. I want to tell you that the foundation for these church institutions are not biblical. They were never established by God and neither were they established for the true Christ. And how do I know that? Well, we have to go back to the origin. I'm a big proponent of going back to the root because if we don't get to the root, we'll never understand the problem. If we don't understand the problem, we can't fix the problem. And therefore, there is no progress. There is no way to go forward. We are just going through the motions and never resolving the battles that we're dealing with. But when you look at the origin of churches here in America, you have to go back to Christianity and how it all started. It was Jesus Christ's lifestyle that turned into what was called the gospel. And the gospel, by way of the disciples, made its way around the world. They did what Jesus Christ said. They went and they made disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost. And they were witnesses all over the world. But... When America hit, when, when, excuse me, when uh, Christianity is what the gospel turned into, the name it turned into, that Christianity, when it hit Rome in the fourth century, Constantine, who ruled Rome at the time, changed the Sabbath day from Saturday to Sunday. And the reason why he did that was because Sunday was their day of worship in Rome. You have to understand that Rome was not God's place for his people. Not the Israelites, not his original children. It was a land of complete paganism. They worshiped false gods. And the sun, which is Sunday, was a day that they had true worship uh, towards their God. And this is how Christianity went from, or the gospel went from the Sabbath day, the day of worship, the holy day from Saturday to Sunday. So when it finally made its way to Europe and the Europeans came to America and they colonized it, this is how Christianity had its roots, its buildup in this country. Now, here's the thing. That's a very tough statement for a lot of people to accept. And the reason being is because it's been going on for decades. And one would ask the question, well, how could all these years, it could be wrong. All these people who served, who preached, who tithed, who attended church, who ate together, you, you're telling me it was wrong that they did it on a Saturday and not a Sunday, or excuse me, on a Sunday and not a Saturday? Absolutely. Just because it's a mass amount of people doesn't mean deception don't exist. We got to go back to Jesus Christ and what he said in Matthew 24. Take heed that no one deceives you. For many will come in my name saying that I am 
the Christ and deceive many. They will fool many people, not just a handful. And this is why so many people don't believe that the deception that actually exists in the church institution. They think it's the world. They think it's people who never came to Jesus Christ. No, they're not. The people of the world are not deceived because they never knew. To deceive someone, you have to trick them with something they once knew. The people of the world are blind. They can't see. And that's a huge difference. Satan then comes to fool the world. They're blind. There's no need to fool blind people. He came to deceive those who had the truth or those who were attempting to follow the truth. Then he leads them astray. But when you go back to the, the Sabbath day being set on Saturday, not Sunday, Jesus said this. He said, if you love me, you will keep my commands. Well, the Sabbath day was a command given by God to Moses for the people of God. Christ's coming and his uh, bringing grace and dying on the cross did not take away the commandments. Christ even said that I didn't come to, he said, I came to fulfill. He said, I didn't come to abolish. People say, well, you know what? The command was part of the law. Of course it was, because it was written into uh, one of the 613 Levitical priesthood laws. However, again, the commandments was established before the law. And Jesus said, if we love him, then we'll keep them. We won't change them and alter them. And we have to think about something. Constantine was a pagan ruler. He didn't believe in Jesus Christ. When he made this decision, he didn't convert to Christianity. He simply made a switch. And just like today, what we see in many, many church institutions is the comfortable acceptance of whatever the new trend is. Whatever's flowing. You have churches now that will say they believe in Jesus Christ. They believe in the Messiah, yet they will marry two same-sex people. You have Christians that are advocating for child abortions. You have Christians who say they are Democrat or Republican. Yet none of this is actually upheld in the Bible. We were not, we were not called to conform to the world. Our job was is to follow and obey Jesus Christ. That is his command. That is his purpose. That is what he designed for us to do. So if we have these variations or these alterations or changes of the commands in the word of God, how much more have salvation been altered? How much more has it been changed? Well, we can look at two of the primary examples that you cannot find nowhere in Scripture. First is the sinner's prayer. And two is the altar call. There was never an altar call when Christ walked the earth, nor was there a sinner's prayer. In fact, neither did his apostles who carried, the, who carried on the gospel as Christ commanded had 
such things. What they talked about was repentance. That's what the preaching was. It was about repentance. It wasn't about blessings. It wasn't about favor. It wasn't even about anointing. It was about repent and receive the spirit of God. And those who agreed, they were baptized in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost. They didn't join the church institution. They didn't skip the baptism, hung out in church for 5, 10, 15, 20 years, and then some way of this feeling of being convicted. Now it's time to be baptized. No, they were baptized immediately. What we believe to be Christianity in America is a farce. That's the reason why we have this long hair, European hippie painted everywhere you look in movies, TV shows, pictures inside of church institutions of who Jesus uh, appears to be to people. That is the false Christ. And it's not even so much about the looks of Jesus Christ. It's the representation of what the look is. It's like they say a picture is worth a thousand words. Of course, you look at a picture and it will speak to you long before you hear the origin of the picture. And so when you see this European style Jesus that looks like he's just calm and collected, you watch these movies and he's walking around so easy and smooth and so calm and collected. You think, wow, shoot, Jesus was all about love, happiness, peace. Let's just hang out. Let's chill. But yet when he communicated with the Pharisees who were the overseers of God's people, they wanted to kill the man. In fact, the Bible said that he fled. In John 10, 38, it said they sought again to seize him, again to seize him. But he escaped out of their hands. And the reason being because it wasn't his time. Now, somebody that's walking around handing out peace and happiness uh, Hallmark cards. I don't know why somebody want to kill somebody like that. I was after all the good Jesus Christ did. They was yelling, crucify him. The truth is, Jesus was a warrior. He stood his ground. He refuted lies. He spoke unadulterated truth. He gave what God gave him to the people and they couldn't stand it. They hate it. He told the, the many disciples who was following him, he said, you know, you're going to have to drink of my blood and eat of my flesh. And they said, you know, this is too hard to even understand who can accept these teachings. And the Bible says that many left and walk with him no more. So there's a false Christ in the world today. And it's the one that's all about making you feel comfortable, making you feel good, having you show up for church, never really expecting to change. Not no expectation to uphold the commandments, no expectation to walk as a disciple, being the light of Christ, uh, uh, the salt of the earth, a light on the hill. But just get you a pew seat, your favorite seat, hot wherever you like to sit at, 
goes through the church routine, hearing those three songs, shake some hands, hear the message, and then go eat. All on a day that was never commanded by God. He said, keep the Sabbath day. He didn't say change it. He didn't say alter it. He didn't say because of grace now you don't have to apply or follow it. He said, keep it. We need to know the truth, especially in this season. Not because I said so. <laughs> Not because uh, it, it seems to be something very interesting to know. We need to know the truth because in Matthew 24, verse 4, Jesus said, Take heed that no one deceives you. Deception comes by way of a lie. Lies are what is contrary to the ministry of Jesus Christ and the apostles he called. We have to vet what we hear and we have to expose falsehood and flee from things that will not change, people who will not change. Now, for somebody who grew up in church, in, in the church, Sunday service all the time, this, is, this was always a challenge for me. I heard this a few years ago that Saturday was the original Sabbath day. I thought these people was crazy. Trying to divide, trying to be haters, demon possessed, all these thoughts that came into my head. But it never settled in my spirit as it's that I was walking according to the truth. I did the due diligence myself and went and searched out the answer and found out two very, very important things. One, if we love Jesus Christ, we will keep his commands. And two, we cannot keep them if we don't know them. We have to know what they are. Now, someone will tell me, well, you know, that's not something I think is important, something I need to do. It may be challenging. Here's the thing. Here's what we have to realize. That there's something very, very real at stake in our lives. And that is salvation. And Jesus said this, not everybody who calls me Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. He said, but those who do the will of my father. Way back on the mountain, the will that God has for his people was given on those 10, those 10 commandments, those two tablets. That was his will. And Jesus Christ came forward to finalize his will. This is why Revelation was written. It was given to John because he knew this false Christ would come forth and tell people, you don't have to follow his commands because of grace or God knew you was going to fall short or he knows your heart. It's okay. This is all judgment-free zone. Don't judge unless you want to be all these different things that the enemy uses often scripture manipulated or out of context to justify a life that contradicts walking with Jesus Christ, the true Christ, the true Messiah of the Bible. Know the truth is what Jesus said. He said, know the truth and you shall be free.
We know it, we need to apply it. That's how important it is. In Revelation, it says, blessed are those who keep his commands. That they may have a right to the tree of life and may enter in through the gate into the city. He said, keep them. Did he know that we were going to fall short? Absolutely. That's why grace come in. So we don't have to go out and sacrifice animals. Not so that we can keep doing what we want to do. But that we fall, we have an advocate, Jesus Christ, who is the once and for all sacrifice. And he said, he going to sin. He said, you know, I, I, when he tells him, he said, if you love me, you'll keep my command. He also goes on to say, I will pray. The father will send you a comforter. A spirit of truth. So that when we're walking this faith, we're journeying through. We can easily navigate unrighteousness that comes to us for us in our mind to make decisions that are contrary to God's word and unrighteousness that is out there in the world. And, of course, even church institutions that try to deviate us from the will of God. Again, test what you hear. Study the word of God for yourself. Don't take anyone's word for it, not even mine's. I challenge you, go and look for yourself how the Sabbath day was changed and who changed it. And if you are willing, ask the Holy Spirit to give you discernment so that your decisions can be in line with the word of God. Not with what I say, but what God's word says. Because he clearly said, if we don't keep his commands and we don't love him, and if we don't love him, how in the world are we going to spend eternity with him? There is no way God is going to allow us into everlasting rest with him in the presence of the father to finally get to see God's face. But we didn't love him. Love goes beyond the heart. Yes, God sees the heart, but the commandments is a physical reflection of the heart. We have to act in accordance to what we believe. We can't just say, well, you know what? I love you, God, but I love you, God, uh, and I know you understand. That's not how it works. And we all know that because we have people in our life who, you know, say they love us, but we have an expectation for that love to show up. So we can see the examples of what they're actually saying. I'm sure we've all had people who told us they love us, but their actions didn't reflect that. And we question the fact if they really loved us or not. No different here. That's the reason why there will be a judgment day. So that everything we do can be brought before God and we have to give an account. The Bible says we will give an account. We have to explain our actions. You said you love me. But why didn't your actions reflect that? So remember, these are the last days. Don't let the economy fool you. Don't let the, the, the what's coming out the White House fool you or whatever, you know, your business opportunity, your job, educational goals. Don't let any of that stuff fool you. We are living in the last days. Can it be next week? 
Could it be 10 years from now, 100 years? Who knows? End of the day, that's not the point. This is why Paul, Jesus Christ, Peter, John, they made repeated references to the fact that Jesus will come as a thief in the night. We're not out. We're not supposed to be out concerning ourselves to the point where we can't even function in life because we're worried about the return of Jesus Christ. We are supposed to be walking in obedience to his commands, to his will, and to the end of our life. That's what he expects of us. But know that we ought to encourage each other and watch and pray. Be diligent as we continue to see what Christ said will happen, which is happening as we speak. Because ultimately, this one world religion and all these lies that are taking place today are set out to take people outside of the will of God. Remember, the blind don't need to be fooled. They can't even see. There's no point in that. You want to fool the ones who are trying to see or have saw and deviate them from the true gospel, the true Messiah. So let's obey in this season. Let's do the will of God. Let's allow the Holy Spirit to lead us through our, uh, our worship, through our Bible study, through our prayers, through our interaction with people. And let's stand on the truth. That's the only thing that's going to hold up in the end. Jesus Christ gave two examples of builders. One who was a wise builder and one who was foolish. The one that was wise built his house on the rock, which is Christ, the true Christ. The other one built it on the sand. And obviously the one that was on the, on the rock withstood the vicious storm that came his way. And the other one obviously didn't. So whether it's personal storms or just storms in the world, we need the rock, the true rock, the, the unadulterated and absolute rock, the complete rock, not this half rock, this, okay, I'm going to accept this piece because it's been going on for so long or, you know, my bishop prays an awesome prayer or gives a phenomenal message. So, you know, I, I, I'm going to end by saying this. There are churches today all over this country and those that operate like the ones in this country that have absolutely no power. They can preach some dynamic messages to get you up out your seat, running up and down the, the aisles, but they possess no power. And the reason they possess no power because they don't follow the true Christ. They follow a, a image of Christ. How do I know that? Here's what the Bible says. In Mark 16, verse 11. Excuse me, Mark 16, verse 17. Jesus said, and these signs will follow those who believe. Believe in who? Before we even talk about the signs, believe in who? The true Christ. He said, these are the signs. He said, one, in my name, they will cast out demons. The next one, he said, they will speak in new tongues. And then he goes on to say, they will take up serpents and they will drink deadly things and it will not harm them. They will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. 
I've posted this before and people laughed at me. Oh, you believe in that? Take that chance if you want to, especially when the pandemic happened. I was out. I didn't wear no mask, no shots, none of that. I believe in Jesus too much to trust in the world. I believe in the blood of Jesus too much to depend on anything a doctor has to say. And we have to ask the question, if these are the signs that follow those who believe, then how come you don't see healings in churches anymore? Or ever, true healings. How come people are not getting demons cast out? Depression is a demon. Anxiety is a demon. Well, Jesus Christ said, these are the signs. These, is what, this, these are things you will see happen to those who believe in him. When they speak in his name. So let's be diligent in this season. Study the word of God throughout the week. Go back and test everything you hear me say. Make it a point to be a sound follower of Jesus Christ. Following the sound doctrine given to us. That means we need the whole doctrine. The entire word. And every problem we deal with. We need to have the truth of the, of the scriptures to apply to that problem. That's mean we, that means we are a sound follower. And then we are walking in the will of the true Messiah, showing him that we love him. That's his, that's his calling for us, that we bear fruit, much fruit, remaining in him. So be encouraged, be bold, be courageous, don't believe the lie about this sissified Jesus that's been portrayed for decades. Jesus was a warrior. And when he comes back, he's coming back with a sword to cut down every lie and every liar. Let's make sure we're not on that side of the sword. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for this word, the truth. We thank you for allowing us to shine the light that you have given us through Christ on the lies of the enemy, the darkness that keeps us in bondage, allowing us to be set free so we can do as you commanded us to do, to be a worthy vessel, to walk in your will, to be one who stands against all that doesn't reflect your absolute and unadulterated word. We thank you. We give you the glory and the honor. In your holy name, Jesus, we pray. Amen.